everyone. My name is Adrienne Garland, and welcome to Sugar Coated. Sugar Coated is a podcast that was born from the notion that for far too long, women and other people who inside felt like they just didn't fit in, in maybe small or even large ways, had to sugarcoat their words, their style, or in general, their way of showing up in the world. This podcast started out as a dedication to women leaders. You see, I wanted to shine the light on all the incredible work that women do and how they're making an impact. And I still do. But I realized that a key reason that women have struggled, in my opinion, is that they've had to conform to certain cultural norms and ideals, which are inherently designed to keep those outside of the norm from standing out. This has prevented more women from being recognized as the powerful leaders that we truly are. Join me, Adrienne Garland, the CEO and founder of She Leads Media, each week as I dive into raw conversations with some remarkable, badass women that will help you to strip away your sugar coat and go in the direction of your incredible dreams. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sugar Coated. My name is Adrienne Garland, and I'm the CEO of She Leads Media. I am so excited to have Stacy Stotterman as my guest today. I met Stacy a couple of years ago when she attended one of the She Leads conferences, and I was just so impressed by her. And what I always loved about her and what I, I always, you know, have like a warm spot in my heart for is that Stacy would always ask really great questions of, of panelists, of speakers. And I always took note of that. And so she's doing such great work for people. I want her to be able to introduce herself, let everybody know what her background is. And then we'll just jump into this non-sugar-coated conversation. Welcome, Stacy. Thanks so much, Adrienne. It's so great to be here. I am so excited to have you here. And, you know, during this whole crazy time that we're living in right now, so many people are uncertain about just about everything, right? We are walking on shaky ground. Some people still have jobs. Other people are furloughed. Other people are, you know, laid off altogether. People have businesses closing down, doing better. It's just everything is different than it was, you know, 60 days ago. So why don't you just give everybody a little bit of a background on who you are and what you do today and and then I have a bunch of questions that, uh, you know, are burning in me um, and that I'm hoping that other people will, you know, take value from as well. So please let us know who you are and uh, what you do. Thank you so much. So I'm Stacy Statterman and I am a leadership coach and a career strategist and I help people get more out of their work life. And for some people, that means I want to change my job. I've been in a professional track for a while and I'm, I'm tired of it. I want to do something new. And for uh, other people, it means, you know, I, I really generally love what I'm doing, but I feel a little stuck where I am and I'm trying to get to the next level. So uh, this, you know, essentially becomes um, services that I deliver as an executive coach or 
partnering with people who are, you know, working their way through their career and, and trying to move forward or to the left or to the right. Hmm. And how, so I know that your background, you come out of corporate America and advertising. So can you tell everybody a little bit about that? Because, and the reason that I'm asking is because I think sometimes the uh, coaching industry, there are, there's a huge variety of, of coaches. There's different certifications. There's people that focus in on different areas. And I, I know that you're, uh, background and where you came from really informs what you do today. Yeah, absolutely. So I spent more than 20 years working in media and advertising, and I worked for companies like American Express and Meredith Corporation and uh, Time Inc. and, and a, a slew of others. And, and for the most part, I had a really good time. I did a lot of work for many years in the area of ad sales and strategic partnerships. And um, one of the things that I you know, when it was never fearful about even in, in that career was making change. And I had three, three times I asked bosses to fire me and um, <laughs> like lobbied for my own demise, if you will, because I was really confident that I had something to do somewhere else that was going to be more fun and, and better. And uh, so I was okay with, with the idea of, of change in those environments. But what I recognized was not everybody was com- comfortable with that. And yet the uh, changes to the industry really demanded that people get more comfortable with being flexible about what they thought the future might hold and adaptable to the new environment. So that definitely has informed the areas of focus you know, in my, my career now. And, and I've been in my own business now for six years. And I do a lot of work with people from advertising, media, entertainment, and journalism because the industries keep evolving. And now we'll see them evolve even at a faster pace with the COVID-19 crisis. And I know that there's so many smart people in those industry areas and others that um, just kind of get stuck in their own, you know, beliefs about what's possible. And it really does hold them back. And we need really smart, good people to take us forward, especially given the climate they're in right now. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. And I'd never heard that before that you sort of, you know, asked to be fired, you know, knowing that there was something better at that time for you or, you know, more evolved or whatever that is. Um, Where did that spirit in you come from? Like, were you always that type of person that was, you know, looking for more? Because I I think that that's a really interesting characteristic. Yeah, I I can't say I really know where it comes from. But, you know, at the core, it's about, you know, a certain level of belief that I had in myself that I could persevere whatever was going on. And, Hmm. you know, I always was um, inclined to create and and grow and build new things. That was sort of the nature of the work I was in anyway. And, you know, I just sort of carried it over into my own professional life. And, you know, for me, it always worked out. I mean, in all three of those occasions where I where I lobbied for my own uh, demise, you know, I had good results. I in, in a couple of cases, I got bigger roles right, right in the organization I was in. And, in another one, it gave me, you know, the opportunity to uh, exit and start a business, which has been going really well. Wow. So were you, were you, did you have those characteristics before working? Like, did that show up in your, you know, earlier life or in school? Or is that something that kind of evolved as you started working? 
I think it probably evolved the most once I went to college and I went to Syracuse University and it was a huge campus and a place where one could easily get swallowed up because there were so many kids. And, and for me, you know, it was a perfect climate to just realize that I, I have to take the lead. I have to take the lead on my own behalf. And I probably was a little bit informed now that I think of it. One of my first semesters at Syracuse, I got a grade that was uh, a little bit lower than I had anticipated it being. And when I really looked into it, I was like one point from getting the better grade. And, and I went in and had a conversation with a professor. And, you know, in hearing, you know, my perspective on it, the professor was like, oh, you know, th- this is probably easy to move up a point or two to get you where you want it to be. And wow, that, you know, that took a certain um, chutzpah, I think at the time, <laughs> because I was, you know, yeah. 18 years old or something and doing something like that. But I think the more experience I got in business, you know, the more I can see, you know, you don't really go anywhere by not speaking up and, and being comfortable speaking up, especially as a woman, because that's something that oftentimes women aren't always comfortable with and haven't really been allowed to be comfortable with. Uh, it's always it's always served me well. And, and I think it's, um, you know, very much now part of how I work with my clients, whether they're male or female, to think about you know, the work of, of self-advocacy, because, you know, if we don't do it for ourselves, who's going to, who's going to lift us up? Yeah. I love that story on so many levels. First, for standing up for yourself and, you know, going in. And I mean, I'm sure you didn't do it to get your grade changed. You just wanted to understand, you know, it, was there anything that you could do? Yeah, and I don't even think I knew I could get the grade change. It was just like sort of an eye-opener little moment, for sure. Yeah. Which, for like a different audience. And, you know, I have a a son who's in college and I have another teenage son who's in high school. And I always tell them like, look, if you, if you didn't get the grade that you wanted, or, you know, you're not getting exactly what it is that you want, at least go talk to somebody. Because even if you don't get the grade changed or whatever it is, you're going to learn something and you're going to realize, oh, maybe I needed to focus in on this area a little bit more instead of just letting it lie. And it's something that I always also did for myself. I didn't just let things lie. I didn't just, you know, take things as they were given to me and just, you know, said, oh, well, that's it. And I think that that is such a a great, you know, a, a great action to take no matter what it is. And, you know, you don't want to take it to the extreme where every single grade you get and if you're trying to get better, you know, you don't want to take it to, to the point of being annoying. But it's just something that I think is so important for you know, teenagers to do, especially like, you know, women teenagers. And also women especially don't just accept the no or the or the grade. Like definitely explore. And I, I just I I love that so much. And I I think that that's something that and I'm projecting, but I think that's something that you would probably do as well if you had a client that came to you with that issue. Can can you talk a little bit about the, you know, who you work with and what types of issues or challenges people come to you with? Sure. The 
my typical client is somebody who's had a lot of success in the past and they, they may be 15, 20, 25 years into their career. And for whatever reason, they're at a stuck place. They may be stuck because they can't figure out, you know, what to do next because maybe they've hit a wall in terms of the direction they're trying to go up, up or, or elsewhere. Sometimes they're stuck because they're feeling overwhelmed and overloaded because they have a lot of other ob- obligations outside of their work and they're trying to be, you know, great, at, great on the job and great at home. Sometimes, you know, they're, they've lost their job. They've gone through some kind of contraction in their business and they've been part of a layoff or, or they've been fired. So typically I'm dealing with people who most of the time up until now, they've known how to navigate. And one of the things that's changed a lot in terms of job searching, particularly over the last five years, is just the tools and techniques have changed. Mm. For many people who are maybe, you know, 40 plus or 35 plus, there's been, you know, a different way that we went went about looking for jobs and getting our next jobs. And there was a lot of influence that other people had in the way opportunities came to us or the way that we were able to make sure that we closed a deal and got that next, that, that offer. And we have, you know, the internet and we've got a lot of um, behavior in the job searching realm that has been informed by how the world of dating has changed. <laughs> you know, we, we yeah. sort of forget that now, you know, dating involves people looking each other up online before they actually have dates. And even if it's uh, not because they've met through a dating site, we just do a lot of advanced research online about pretty much everything from dates to handbags to, you know, hotel rooms. And that same behavior is, is translated into the, to job, se- job seeking. And so recruiters and hiring managers are doing an incredible amount of looking online at potential candidates, even before they have one conversation. And that's yeah. very strange for people because we, we have this expectation, especially for those who are a little more, you know, further along in their career, that we're going to have a chance to talk to somebody. And we, yeah. of course, that's, we want to have that happen, but we have to have a really good story, a clear narrative, a clear value proposition before we even have one conversation. And it's about so much more than just a resume nowadays. Yeah. Gosh, there's so much to unpack there, too, because it really is, you, ha- you almost have to be your own personal marketer, and you have to also be super objective about how people are viewing you and the things that you are saying and posting and just the, the persona that you're putting forth online. You need to do an audit of that to make sure that whatever the message is, is one that you want people to receive. Because I can just imagine, you know, everything is online. And if, if you're, if, if there's anything out there that just smells negative, then I'm sure that these employers are just on to the next because there's so many people out there. And I, it's just going to get more and more discerning, I think. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and the other the other thing is that even more more damage almost as damaging as any negative things that could be discovered out there. It's also being absent. You know, when people yeah. go to a LinkedIn profile and it looks like it hasn't been updated in five or ten years, 
it feels a little bit like you're absent from your professional life, which of course is not true, but that is, that is what we glean from what we, what we can discover. So I am always talking to people about, you know, when was the last time you had your headshot updated? When was the last time you took another look at the narrative that you have at the beginning of your your LinkedIn profile? When was the last time you posted a content or engaged with with people on on LinkedIn? And it doesn't just have to be LinkedIn. Twitter can also be very effective. But people are looking for evidence of your value before they have a conversation. And that's a hard thing for people to acclimate to if they've always had this other tradition of, I'm going to get in, I'm going to have a great meeting, great interview. I'll, you know, woo them with my, you know, charisma. And, and we, we all want that to happen and it will happen. But this other stuff now can be a tremendous roadblock because there are so many applicants for, for so many things. It's so much easier to apply for a job nowadays because of the online platforms to submit applications. And so there's this overwhelming volume of data that the hiring side has to deal with. There's so many applicants, there's so many people that are interested that it's it's hard for them to parse through it. And I, I saw this on the hiring side for years when I was working at American Express. They had a very elaborate system to receive applicants and it was not really perfect. It's still not really perfect. And it's not really just that company. You know, any company will tell you that the applicant tracking software systems and so forth, they're not really doing a great job of identifying the best candidates. So I always had to, on the hiring side, do some additional legwork on my own. And if I was looking for somebody that I knew was in that pile, I had to request them. So I do see that sometimes people have leaned on the crutch of online job applications to solve their problem. But it's kind of like going to a casino and saying, I'm going to sit at the slot machine and I'm just going to play pennies on the slots for the whole four hours I'm here. Yes, you might win, but how long will it take? Yeah. As opposed to getting some skills, going to play 21 at the 21 table. (laughs) It's the same. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Gosh, it it is a brand new world and we all need to because we never know, you know, what situation we're all going to be in. So we do need to, we really do need to know about all of this. And and I would also say that given all the technology and everything too, that there is something to be said about having a strong network so that perhaps you can rely a little bit more heavily on your personal relationships rather than an applicant tracking system. That's that's probably an even better piece of advice, right, is to have this strong network to perhaps, you know, go around that or at least have that work in your favor. Yeah, no, 100%. The network is is ultimately the thing that for most people, especially experienced people, is going to make the difference in terms of compensation, in terms of so many things because your network is going to help you present in a better way, you know, whether they surface you to a hiring manager or they just make a direct connection. The endorsement of somebody else is always certainly much better than just something that's gone through an online application. What people miss on the network the networking side though is is that there's often a mismanagement of your network, of somebody's network. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us you know, have created our network over time. And so people have an association with us about certain skills. Oh, so-and-so is an expert at this and you've always done that. And they're well-meaning, but 
if you don't tell your network what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go, they will put you back in the same box you came out of. Yeah. And so as, as many people are thinking of making pivots or shifts or they're tired of something, it's imperative that you tell your network, especially your really inner circle people, what you're trying to get done. Because otherwise, they really don't know how to help. And they're so well-meaning, but they just, they're going to point you into the same old, you know, routes that they've known you from. And it's, it's really imperative for the job searcher to prepare their network to, to do, help them do the job yeah. and, uh, and make them part, sort of part of the process. And then also to just expand one's network. I mean, if, if you're going to work in a different area of business, it's imperative to create some relationships in that other area of business and get to know who the players are and, and don't be afraid to connect with them and, and be, you know, be open to learning and being curious about what you can learn from other people to kind of keep uh, moving down in, in, into that direction that you're ultimately trying to land in. That's such great advice. It, it really is. And I, I think that we could probably get into the details around, you know, how do you go about connecting with people that might be in a completely different area that you're interested in? And like, how do you how do you make those connections when things are online and you can't meet people, you know, for coffee or something like that? But maybe we save that for another conversation where we talk really tactically, because I think that, that a lot of people could benefit from some of that advice if you'd be yeah, willing yeah, to, to offer that. I have two other areas that I kind of wanted to, to go down with you. And the first thing I would like to actually understand is like, what is happening now? Who are the clients that are coming to you or even the clients that you were working with? Like, you know, obviously without revealing any you know, personal details, but what are some of the things that are, are, surfacing that are on people's minds and how are you guiding them? Sure. Uh, great question. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff going on. So there is one I, misconception I think that's out there, which is there is no hiring going on. And that's, that's not true. There definitely are industry areas that are on pause and have made cuts, obviously, and we've got huge unemployment rates, but there's still lots of areas of business that are looking to expand and need to expand. And you know, if you've been in an area of business that has contracted and you're, you're out of a job, you may want to look in these other areas where there is expansion. But what we know that we know this universally, I don't think there's an industry that's not being touched by what's going on with, with this, this very complex crisis. The needs are going to be different, you know, pretty much everywhere. There's going to be new things, new types of skills needed. And for people that really are able to do a couple of things, remain flexible and adaptable with how they look at what happens next for them professionally. We're going to have certainly more contingent short-term work arrangements where people don't have full-time employment, but they may have really good, decent, well-paying contracts for, for decent periods of time. That's going to be one shift that, that was already happening, by the way, before the pandemic. There was a big yeah. move in that direction anyway. What's yep. happened with the pandemic is just going to accelerate that. But, you know, this is, this is a time where a lot of companies, they don't know exactly what they're going to need yet, but it's a good time to be in touch with them because so many people are, are sitting back and saying, well, I'm not going to look for a job right now because nobody's hiring. And so there's actually kind of a, a little bit of a backwards vacuum, I would say, where a lot mm -hmm. of people are hanging back and 
do whatever they're doing, watching Netflix and, and for mm-hmm. the brave, you know, go out there and, and, you know, be empathetic for what to whoever you're talking to about whatever it is that has manifested in their business. I mean, that certainly is a key part of the message to start any conversation right now is, are you safe? Are you healthy? Or is your family okay? And, you know, and then to move into a conversation, which is, I'm, I love what your company is doing. I'd love to be part of the solutions team that helps to rebuild or it helps to expand or to help you know pivot. We have a lot of businesses that are going to have to convert how they're delivering their service. And maybe they're going to yeah. need to you know, create new services to, you know, to deal with the fact that we're not going to sit in packed movie theaters uh, anytime soon. But it, I think this is a really opportunity-rich moment. One of my business crushes, Professor Scott Galloway, who is part of Stern Business School and L2, yeah. he uh, posted something the other day and called this the, the cosmic opportunity moment. And I think he's right on hmm. for people that are bold and can... Um, get creative with the way they think about their skills and their value proposition. I think this has got a lot of opportunity for for many, many people, even in industry areas where it feels like everything's shuttered. I love it. And I went to Stern. And when you said Scott Galloway, I was like, I know him. (laughs) Uh, So that is so great to hear. And I didn't hear that he said that. But I I have to agree with him. I, I think the thing that is challenging, not impossible, but challenging is we've been taught how to think. And we haven't necessarily been taught how to be creative and look at things from all different angles and put ourselves in other people's shoes and like come up with something brand new. That is is sort of not how we've been taught to consider things and think. So just if you do have advice, I don't I don't know, but how can people shift their patterns of thinking so that they can look at something and, and see opportunity? Because it requires something different in the way that you even like frame an issue. Like it's a fundamental change. Yeah, no, that's very true. And I think, by the way, the the older we get and the more mature in our career we get, we, we sometimes get a little bit more, you know, rigid in the way we, we think about some of the problem solving things, which is counterintuitive because by the time you're mid-career, you've likely had a lot of experience problem solving. But we're also very quick to shut down the possibility. Oh, that's not going to work. And we don't sometimes let things percolate long enough. So there's some a couple of techniques that I think work really well because sometimes it's about a matter of instead of thinking three different ways you could go, think of 15. Mm. Because the first three are going to be the same old three you've thought of every, you know, every time. But the ones that are, you know, the four through 15 in the, in the ideas may have something really useful and a, and a nugget. It won't be perfectly formed and that's okay. But we, we need to kind of stretch beyond just the, the, the two or three things that we, we look at to kind of force ourselves to, to get to that like list of 15. Mm. We're just not really wired to do that. We're not, we're, you know, especially if you're from corporate environment, you know, and going to any of those um, poorly run brainstorm meetings, like so many things get <laughs> shot down in the first Everything two seconds. Everything you know? is awful. It's That's awful. like the dreaded like brainstorming meeting yeah. that is not a brainstorming yeah. meeting. And, the, and, the, and the, the truth is we all have certain patterns of thinking that are our favorite 
you know, cards to play. And those cards have worked really well for us for many years. But when the conditions change and they're no longer working, it's incumbent on us to interrupt those patterns. I mean, it's yeah. the irony is a lot of my clients, you know, uh, kind of a nodding back to, you know, the job searching is is kind of a marketing job, right? And so I work with a lot of people who are great marketers and have made millions of dollars for companies. And that's their that's their focus and their work. And they have a really hard time doing it for themselves because often we're, we're just too close to the agenda and too close to the patterns and too close to the how quickly we go to that's not going to work. Yeah. And this is one of the powers, honestly, of coaching is that when you have somebody else who's invested in the conversation and the thinking, but not living in the outcome of it, because that outcome is really the clients to own, you know, it's easier for somebody else to make some observations and, and help to connect the dots a little bit. So I think, yeah. you know, that helps to unlock creativity a little bit to just push beyond, you know, the, the, the short list and go for that longer list. And oftentimes, even, you know, kind of crowdsourcing, asking a few trusted people, you know, what, how they view you, where they think your strengths are. We don't do a great job of getting that kind of input from people that we trust, you know, beyond, once we're beyond a certain point in life. And that can be really, really insightful uh, information that maybe, you know, you don't even think that's a superpower, but the whole, all the five people you ask think you're amazing at, at X or Y. And you just thought that was, normal everyday kind of skills and value. Yeah. That that's like a big blind spot for a lot of people. The, you know, the most valuable things that we have to offer are often seem like anyone could do it. Because it's, yeah. it's so easy <laughs> for us. But you know, we are we're not coached uh, necessarily through most, you know, business experiences or career experiences to follow our our kind of flow moments and the the, the things that come to us naturally we remember so much of the hard won skills and those become a little more prominent for us. And then we overlook, you know, some of our, our best assets as a result. Yeah. There's so much wisdom in, in that. And it's funny that you're talking about it. I was just right before this call, I have a really good friend who is moving. She's moving from New York to California. And so she's been cleaning everything out. And she just texted me a picture and said, look at what people at my work said about me years ago. And it was like when she, she's in her 50s now, and it was when she was in her 20s. And it said things like, you know, creative, will always be successful, fiery. Like, and I said to her, those things are, are so true about you, you know, then and now. Like, those are those characteristics that are, are, unchanging and unique that can be the the pillars that we then think creatively around. But we don't do it because some of those things like fiery, right, which is, is so her, is not always seen as a good skill to have in corporate. Yeah. So I, I was going to say to you too, and, and you brought it up, I think it's good to have an outside or a third party perspective that's not invested in the actual result, but is invested in the creative process. And I'm, I'm assuming that that's what you do as a, a coach as well, kind of help people to get to those 
15 things because I don't think I could do that for myself. Yeah. And yeah. I consider myself a creative person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, yes, definitely. I mean, oftentimes, you know, and, and look, I have coaches too because I can't see it for myself. So it's not, it's not anyone's uh, failing or flaw to need the support. I think it's what, what we've been a little misguided over the years, perhaps for, for those, especially in corporate life, is that we're supposed to just know everything at a certain point and be able to kind of carry forward without support, especially when you're, you know, in a leadership role somewhere, you know, you're supposed to be the one with the answers. And, and I think that that leaves people, you know, really in a tough spot at times. So I, I think having a support structure is certainly key to unlocking a lot of things, but especially, especially, you know, creative, um, creative thinking can come that way. And just having the energy of other people to, to collaborate with. And I think that's honestly, that's part of what has been so challenging for the work remote uh, arrangements and some of the disconnection that we're feeling because of the current crisis we're in, because we're, you know, we're as a species wired to want to be with each other. And we get a lot of, a lot of things out of that experience. So it'll be very interesting to see kind of what happens as the crisis resolves and, and how we have to adapt and, and evolve to keep that energy flowing so that we, you know, can be our best and be our best as a group and as a company and as individuals. So how would you suggest to somebody, I, I, it's almost like a two-part question, like, first of all, I'm curious, how did you identify who you wanted to coach you? That's part A. And then how would one go about finding a coach that is right for them? Because it, it seems to me that it's it's very individual and you really don't know if it's a good fit unless you actually work with somebody. Right. It's a great question. So I think in terms of finding the right coach, I, I, a lot of it does come down to chemistry. I mean, there may be other things that individual would like to know that the coach had in terms of professional preparedness and background. And, you know, for me, I went back to school and I, of course, leaned tremendously on my first career and a lot of the things I did at that point. But I, you know, for me, the credentialing and some of the formalizing of the support I would offer, it was important to me as much as anybody else. And honestly, half the time people don't really ask me that because they're more inclined to work with me because we have a good chemistry fit and and I have an understanding of a lot of business areas and and that saves a lot of time in my experience to you know you don't have to teach me how the world of advertising works I, I already know how screwed up it is so we don't have to <laughs> spend a lot of time on that and I do think that you know a lot of people do find that a benefit to have sort of real world experience with whatever the coachee is is trying to resolve and I, I know for myself when I hire coaches, I am looking for people who have traveled the ground that I'm looking to travel and are not just going to talk to me about it from a theoretical standpoint, because that's what matters for me. You know, I want, mm-hmm. I want the authenticity of somebody who really understands the, you know, the, hard, the hardships of trying to you know, go a certain road and, and can, can really understand where I'm coming from on a variety of levels. Mm. Yeah, I really I, I I like that a lot and I can I I like the thought of turning to somebody that's been 
down the road that you're you're going down. Um, sometimes that's not possible, and there are I know there are coaches out there that are even if they've not been down that road, they can somehow you know really guide you toward where you want to be going. So aside from the chemistry, and I guess I wouldn't even know how to you know, figure out whether you had the chemistry with somebody if they don't have a way for you to get to know them. And the the reason I'm sort of talking around that a little bit is I hired a coach, but, you know, I don't know if I would have hired her had she not had a podcast that I listened to and consumed the whole thing. You know, I listened to hundreds of episodes of hers so that I felt like, she really knew her stuff. She was she, like her personality. It was a, it was such a great way for me to almost evaluate whether I thought she would be a good coach for me or not. And so then I hired her as a coach and she was amazing. But if somebody sort of doesn't have that way of getting, you know, putting themselves out there and getting to, to know you, you getting to know them, sorry, <laughs> like how can someone, are, are there you know, questions to ask? How how do you kind of determine whether this coach is going to be good for you short-term, medium-term, long-term? Right. And, and it's a good question. It, it, it really does eventually come down to some level of interaction between you and the, the coach because, and, and coaches, you know, kind of bridge this question in a number of ways. Some of them do complimentary exploratory calls, some of them do chemistry meetings. Some of them do rely on the fact that they're so discoverable out there with other content that they don't need to spend time with people for, for them to feel a certain level of comfort. Because a lot of it comes down to if the coachee does not feel a connection and a confidence in what this person is going to guide them through. I mean, a coach isn't going to tell you what to do. They shouldn't tell you what to do. That's a consultant a coach is going to cultivate the answers with you and co-create the solutions with you. But the transformation is always on the coachee. So there is a lot of that, there's a lot more of this, you know, am I making the right decision with the right coach that's actually wrapped up in the mindset of the person looking for the coaching. When I hire coaches, I look at everything. But I'm somebody who comes from a practice. I worked at a bank. So, you know, my, <laughs> my background is, it has set me up to be thorough in my exploration. And, and so that's what I do. But not everybody does that. Sometimes people just have a great chemistry call and they, they can go where they need to go with this coach, even if they don't have credentials. I mean, one of the best coaches I ever worked with never even went to college and had wow. no coaching credentials and helped me make, you know, some big transformational moves in my business that I, you know, in, in hindsight, it sounds almost insane that I worked with him, but yeah. <laughs> he asked me some really powerful questions and it, it triggered something in me. And that's ultimately what coaching is about is to, you know, trigger a, a, a different way and, and, and to help people stick with it and explore and not get stuck in the, in the ruts that they already know. Pattern interruption and really breaking down the goals and accountability, that's all part of what the coaching experience is like. And, you know, people can, can ex- achieve that experience a variety of ways with, you know, people of all different types of preparedness and, and so forth. But, you know, I think most people who get coached, you know, maybe have a few things that they lean on when they're evaluating coaching. And I know I, I have certain things that I look for 
but I think it's it's really unique to each individual person. And then also, you know, to not be afraid to say, like, this is not working and I need to break up. And that can be a hard thing. Cause like we don't even like breaking up with hairdressers and doctors. Right. We just sort of disappear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, like every coach has to be, you know, is prepared for those possible conversations. Cause if it's not working for the coachee, it's not really working for the coach probably either. So it's, it's really, you know, the, the coachee should always feel that if, if it doesn't end up going the way they had hoped that they, you know, they can cut bait and, and do something else. Right. And no harm, no foul. No. If it's not a fit, it's not a fit. And if everybody sort of a, a goes into the relationship like that, then it, it's all good. I, just listening to you, I mean, the thing that keeps popping in my head is like everybody, I feel like everybody honestly could benefit from having a coach because it's it's somebody who is invested in your you know, success, whatever that means. But it's also somebody that's not like your family member or your best friend or even like a business colleague. It's somebody that I think is very objective. And I I just, you know, I think to myself, wow, like everybody could truly use a coach and you just have to find the right one, I think. Well, and I've I've often wondered like, why is that feel that way? But I I think it kind of comes down to the complexity of life. Now, for most people, yeah. you know, when you're in your 20s, you're just happy, you can keep the wheels on the bus and get your bills paid and have a job and you're adulting, you know. And when yeah. you start to complicate your life with relationships and bigger jobs and houses and marriages and things, it does get complicated and it becomes it can be overwhelming and I think, you know, you add that on top of things like you know, the explosion of media and the internet and all the things that we've gone through as a society over the last 30 years. Plus you add like a a pandemic on top of it. I mean, this is, this is pretty overwhelming. (laughs) And so it's, it's not something I don't, I don't know that we all needed it. You know, we, the society needed it as much 20 or 30 years ago, but I think the, the fact that we have a, a pretty different cultural experience now and business experience warrants it. And we also have a lot more mobility in some areas of business that you don't get the, you don't have those longevity of relationships. Early part of my career, I had, you know, more longevity in some places. The leadership is more in place for longer periods of time that you might have more of the informal mentorship and sponsorship and things like that. And now a lot of that's gotten really formalized. And in some ways, it's, um, it's a little bit corporatized and maybe not even as authentic as it should be. So thankfully, you know, the world of, of coaching has become, you know, more, more widely accepted and people know about it. And, you know, I felt, I feel fortunate because back in, I don't know, probably the, you know, late, maybe 1995 or so, I, I worked with a coach and I didn't really know what he was. I just sort of, you know, I signed up for this interesting course, which was amazing. And I still have work that I have used from that, that experience. To um, you know, in my current life, I still use some of that work. It was so important to me, I, but I didn't really understand that that's what he was a coach until I was in in that event and then working with him afterwards. So we've come a long way in terms of what people understand coaching to be. Yeah, and we also have a lot more coaches out there, and I think that you know it kind of warrants back to um, you know evaluation of coaches and picking people and making sure that you do do some homework before 
you um, you get in a partnership. It can certainly be transformational, certainly has been for me. Wow. I mean, I feel like I want to talk to you for another half an hour. Like, I want to know in what areas have you really transformed. I think that that could be very powerful for people. You know, I think that there's so much to talk about. And so I definitely want to have you come back where we can explore some of those things. But yeah, and I, I just think that you have given such great and practical advice and it just comes through to me and I hope to everybody listening to how incredibly caring and intelligent you are. And, you know, I think anybody that works with you gets the benefit of, of all of your experience and all of your insights. And I just think that anybody who does work with you is really lucky. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you so no, much. honestly, Stacey, I just think that you are great and I'm so happy that you're in my circle and my network. Like Yeah, no, it's so good. So thank you so much. And what I would love for you to be able to do is to just let people know where they can, you know, get in touch with you, find you, read some of the stuff that you put out there. So where where can that happen? So I'm easy to find on LinkedIn, probably easiest to find there because my last name is strangely spelled. And I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. Yep. But I also have my website, stacystatterman.com. And those are two good places. I also, you'll see me, I publish regularly with Forbes and I've been in men's health a few times. So you, you might see me out there other places, but LinkedIn for me is, is one of my, is one of my social media homes. And, and my website has always got a lot of information. So, and I love connecting with people. So please, you know, find me there and, and do send me a connection request and let me know that you heard the podcast. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And, you know, please keep doing all the great work that you're doing and help people to get to wherever it is that they need to go now and, you know, after this whole pandemic. Um, And, I, you know, I hear that there's another wave coming. So, you know, it's a little disheartening, but the world is different now and it may be so for you know, years to come. And that's the reality. And we need to adjust to yeah, that. But there's, so there's thank great you opportunity. So much. There's great opportunity. It's going to be okay. We're all in it together. Yeah. Yes. Thanks so much, Adrian. Well, thank you. And we will talk soon. All right. Take care. the She Leads Podcast Network.